Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Hi, we're waiting for DP Lyle to call in, and there's no pin number. Number, just the number, just the number. Which is three four seven three four seven oh there you are hello I hope hi I was getting uh, yeah you asked me for a pin number and I couldn't get through I didn't have one <laughs> that's weird that's weird no because yeah. I have to dial a pin number to do everything and it's 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 been a screwy day today what can I say yeah I'm yeah just, yeah I'm just and I finally found the right questions. My printer doesn't love me. <laughs> then, then my computer decided to delete blog talk before, and my husband had to fix it. It's like one of these days, and I just got some unhappy news I won't say on the air before. So it's oh. like, oh, my God, what else What else is going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, this this will cheer me up. Um, well, good. We'll have fun. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I have the right questions in front of me. It, it doesn't like matter. We'll work like, through it. <laughs> oh, good, because my brain is gone today. So, how did you create Longley Investigations? And first of all, everybody, just understand that Pancake is my favorite character because I want him <laughs> on my side. I could have could have used him the other day. So, what is his relationship to uh, Ray and Jake and their relationship? Because they're not so friendly together. Oh well. Yeah, uh, uh, Jake is a, is kind of a doofus, you know. I I, I love I him know. because <laughs> he's one of those tall, good-looking ex-professional athlete guys that you know everybody likes, and mm-hmm. he's just easygoing and and he can get along with anybody. He, he calls himself the face man of his business, while his manager Carla runs his restaurant bar because he's not a numbers guy. Jake is a guy that just likes to flow through life. Um, he's an ex-professional baseball pitcher, so obviously he took that seriously at one time. But after he retired, he just wants to lay back and and have fun. That's his goal in life. Ray, his father, who created Longley Investigations, is exactly the opposite. He's ex-military, ex-black ops. Nobody really knows what all Ray did in the military, but it was it was down and dirty. And he's a very by-the-book, no-nonsense guy. And he can't figure out why Jake isn't more like him. Uh, and Jake can't figure out why Ray's not more like him. <laughs> so they butt heads a lot because Jake just, like I said, he just wants to lay back and flow through life where Ray is absolutely focused on solving a problem. But as life goes, Jake is often, in fact, in every book, is dragged into Ray's world mm-hmm. and trying to solve something. And he doesn't like it. 
Well, Jake's father, Ray, is like my mother, so I can identify <laughs> with his problem. Yes. Yes. He, he's focused. Yeah, your focus isn't the word. So mm-hmm. pancake works for him. And how did he get his name pancake? And I can't eat pancakes, so what can I say? <laughs> but he's my he's my fa- uh, he's my favorite character, though. Yeah, I love pancake. Uh, you know, everybody in the South has a um, has a nick- nickname, or a lot of people do, and so uh, his name's Tommy Jeffers. But he was a big offensive lineman in in high school, and was you know. Really, really, really good. Went off at college, played a couple of years before he got injured and gave up that career. And he, uh, but he was a big guy. And pancake blocks are those where you block the guy and put him on his back. You flatten him like a pancake. And so he was good at that because <laughs> he was a big, tough guy. But he's got red hair and he's a he's a you know six five and two eighty and you know he's just a big guy. But don't mistake Pancake for just a big old dumb jock. He's extremely uh-huh. smart, extremely smart, especially in electronics and computers and mm-hmm. cell phones and all this stuff. Um, but you don't want to get in his way. He will flatten you. And so he and he and Jake grew up together, and so they've been best friends since childhood. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they got into all the childhood trouble together, so they're like in the same foxhole. They're partners in crime, if you will, throughout their lives. And now Pancake does work for Ray, and he's often the one that helps drag Jake into that world. And so, uh, but uh, they've got a bond that goes back to childhood, and you know how those are. Those are those are strong bonds. Yeah, they are. My father was my partner in crime. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, he used to come up with ideas and call me and say, don't tell your mother. And then five yeah. minutes after I did whatever, he she would say, what What did he tell you to do? How did you know? I, I didn't even tell her. I, I didn't know to laugh or cry sometimes. <laughs> so D- Jake, Jake reminds me of a lot of people today. How come he doesn't really want to work? He just wants to collect money from the bar and do whatever. How come he hates working? Not, not that I blame him at times, you know, poor thing. Oh, okay, no, no, okay. no. Uh, Jake's just one of those type B guys. You know, he just, uh, yeah. he, he, you know, he wants to stop and smell the roses. He wants to take his time. Yeah. He wants to sit back and relax. He, you know, he, he had to focus on being a professional baseball player for years, and, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and he just decided once I get out of this, you know, I'm, I don't have to lift a finger anymore. I made some money. I own my restaurant bar. I got somebody good to manage it. Why can't I just lay on the beach or drink beer or hang out with Pancake or just really do nothing? And that's his goal in life is to do nothing. A lot of people I know that that feel the same way. Sure. Actually do that. I know. Now, we bring them into my other character, and this is really a trip. You see, what I love about this is that Nicole doesn't take any guff from anybody. She's really good. Yeah. So his girlfriend's his girlfriend loves to work and thrive on these cases. Why? I mean, I would too. I would think that it'd be cool yeah. to handle a case like that. Why does she love that so much? Yeah, yeah. N- Nicole is the um, is the fourth member of the ensemble cast, if you will, of these of this series of novels. Uh, she's obviously tall and lean and ex model, ex actress. Uh, drop dead gorgeous blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, all the cliche stuff, except mm-hmm. don't ever mistake her for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Nicole is tough. She's uh, focused. She's strong willed. She's talented. She's a screenplay writer now. Uh, she, um, but she does not, she always is, 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 is poking sticks at Jake. 
and that's their relationship. Yeah. She's always poking sticks at him, and he's always, oh, yeah, okay. And she and Pancake get along really well, and Ray really respects her. I mean, he thought early on that maybe she's just another one of Jake's gorgeous girlfriends because he always attracted mm. that. But she turns out to be something totally different. She's smart. She's tough. She likes problem solving. She loves to be involved with Longley investigations. She loves to do this stuff. And, of course, she loves to drag Jake into it, kicking and screaming. But as mm-hmm. as Ray said, uh, I don't have to worry about convincing you to do this because wherever Nicole goes, you'll follow. And that's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and, and for those of you that don't know Nicole, she has a way of making Jake understand that it's going to be her way, and the rewards are very great. Right? Exactly. I got that. Exactly. Uh, we can't say what they are because you have to read this to believe it. <laughs> this is strictly girl power, people. Now, yeah. the, the first the first scene is really cool, which brings in Walter, his ex-wife's husband. Why was yeah. our first encounter? In that, why was that the first encounter with Jake? In the novel, the poor guy was in, was brought up on charges or something. Poor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, it, it, that wasn't the first chapter. The first chapter was uh, the second the prologue, chapter yeah. when I when I wrote the book. But then I thought, no, what I need to yeah. do is is introduce Jake first, of course, and I want to put him in a predicament that is that is perfect for Jake. That he is in a situation mm-hmm. that he's been sued. And he's sitting in a courtroom, and Walter, his ex-wife's new husband, who actually handled the divorce and gutted Jake's finances. <laughs> and so he and Walter have one of these contested relationships. But uh, but Walter's the best attorney on the Gulf Coast, so he's defending Jake. And, and Jake's sitting there, fish out of water like he always is, in a courtroom, mm-hmm. And every, his whole life is out of his hands, and he's sitting there. So I wanted to start with that because it adds that relationship because Walter is important to what happens with the story and because yeah. I want Jake to start out uncomfortable. When everything starts in this story, I want Jake to be uncomfortable, and he was very uncomfortable. And then we move into what's really happening and kind of slowly get into that over two or three chapters. Oh, you did. Now, this is the other part that I found hilarious, too. And she reminds me of my niece, the poor thing. Why does his ex-wife Tammy keep calling him? And I have an ex. I have a niece, Tammy, that that can drive me crazy too. Yeah, uh, Tammy, Tammy the insane, as Jake calls her. Yeah, she's um, crazy. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters, and it's amazing. Of, uh, <laughs> when I get notes from people, every one of them says, "Oh my God, I love Tammy," and uh, and so. Uh, she and Jake were married for a number of years. This is when Jake was a professional baseball player making a lot of money, and Tammy loves money, and Tammy loves in, uh, image, and she loves to be the star of the show, and she, you know, and she's also blonde and pretty and all that. But Jake was not the most faithful human on earth because, well, mm-hmm. Major League Baseball players travel around the world, and a lot of them have women in every place. So Jake had his own problems there, but, but Tammy did not does not look at the world like everybody else. And everybody's known someone like this. They look at the world and how it relates to them. You know, well, you know, that's enough about you. Let's talk about what you that's enough about me. Let's talk about what you think about me. That kind of thing. That's Tammy. And uh so she even after the divorce uh uh and married and she married Walter for some reason thinks Jake can solve all of her problems. And so whatever's going on, and most of them are imagined, silly, stupid, 
superficial problems because, well, that's Tammy's world. She thinks Jake can solve her little problems, whether if it's with a neighbor, whether if it's with a TV show, whether if it's with Walter, whatever it is. So she calls Jake at the worst times, it seems like always. I mean, in some of the books, it's in the middle of they're getting ready to have a shootout. They're getting ready to do this, and Tammy calls. And, of course, Nicole loves it. She absolutely, not that she and Tammy get along, not that they're friends or anything, but she loves to see Jake squirm. And and, and she loves that Tammy says all the things that she probably wanted to say but couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't block her. On his, on his cell phone, no. but she probably would have found a way to. She probably find a way to get to him anyway. Exactly, Tammy is if anything relentless, and that's what you know that comes up in this series many times. Yeah. Jake will try to ignore, but she'll call and call and call and call because once she gets focused on something that's important to her, get out of the way. You know? She sounds very familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> now let's get to the nitty gritty of this poor pancake. He goes yeah. to Fan Hope, Alabama, to meet Emily, his his girlfriend, ex girlfriend. So, and she doesn't show up. So, what was he hired to do? That was so sad. Yeah, it, it's it's Fair Hope, Alabama. Which, if, if you're ever down on the Gulf Coast, anybody, yeah. you must go to Fair Hope. It is a fantastic town. They call it the Carmel, if you will, of the South, because mm. it's an artsy community. It's got a great bookstore there. It's got great cafes, and restaurants. It hangs right on the water mm. on the Mobile Bay, and it's on the eastern edge of it, so it faces west over the water, so it's got great sunsets. Uh, it's a pretty high-dollar community, and, but it's just wonderful. It's a great place. So it's only like 30, 40 miles up the coast from Gulf Shores, but it can take anywhere from 30, 40 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on traffic and time of the year. But, so they just never really go up there. But ta- uh, but um, Jake's um, ex, uh, I mean, uh, Pancake's ex-girlfriend from the sixth grade. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know, Emily, you know, it's uh, first loves and all that stuff. They were sixth grade sweethearts. But at that summer after the sixth grade, uh, she and Emily and her family moved up to Fairhope. and, And so Pancake hadn't seen her since then. And so Walter gets involved in handling her divorce from her husband. It looks like an amicable divorce. So Pancake's going up there just to do some the financial due diligence. There's no issues with the divorce. They both moved on. They've separated. They both moved on. But when he goes in, you know, and he's got his his internal engine running because, you know, he hadn't seen her in all this time and the first loves and all that stuff and all this stuff's going on inside Pancake. But he gets there and then she doesn't show up for the meeting. And so, mm. you know, immediately the, the, you start thinking, uh-oh. When someone doesn't show up for a meeting, it's always uh-oh in crime fiction. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so that he's going up there to kind of investigate the finances of the divorce, not really expecting anything except to have this encounter with his sixth grade sweetheart and you know and do his business and leave. I wonder what would have happened if this didn't happen. Maybe you never know. So what happened to her and he's upset so he decides to bring in everyone to find out why, right? Oh yeah. Poor absolutely Jake. because first loves, you know. Uh obviously yeah. because this is a, a crime story and a mystery and all that, uh Emily and, and her new boyfriend uh, end up 
murdered kind of early on in the book. And then the whole rest of the story is figuring out who did this, why, what, what went on. And, and there are a lot of suspects out there, even though Emily was mm-hmm. well-loved and well-liked. There's a lot of things going on in, in the community. Poor thing. Well, now we meet Allison. I liked her. So why yeah. does she want to help, and what is, why does Emily work for her, right? Uh, yeah, Allison runs a, like a bakery there in town. Uh, it's also good and, going and, in there. Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. And Emily uh, worked for her, and of course that's where they were going to meet. And uh, so Pancake goes there, and of course Pancake will eat in, anything and everything, and so he he loves Allison yeah. too because she makes great pastries. But uh, you know, anyway, so Emily doesn't show up, so he meets Allison, and of course Allison becomes concerned because Emily never misses anything, and she has heard of Pancake over the years that Emily has always talked very fondly about her sixth grade sweetheart, as we do. And uh, so she was like, wow, so this is the great Tommy Jeffers. I've heard so much about you. So that's why she jumped in to help, of course, immediately, because mm. something's not right here. And then, of course, when Emily ends up uh, meeting a demise, uh, then she's fully mm. invested in helping them re- resolve this issue. This is so sad. Now, just to digress for one moment, why does Jake take ribbing from everyone? Sometimes I want to defend him, though, because I used to get that from everyone, too. Yeah. I I defended me pretty well, but I wanted to defend Jake. How come he he doesn't say, like, you know, enough already? I'm going to smash you? Uh, I think at the end of the day, Jake, kind of likes it because it means that they love him, they care about him and if they're going to poke sticks <laughs> at him you don't you know you you, you make you poke fun at people you like, you don't poke fun mm-hmm. at people you don't like cuz that's mean and cruel, but if it's people that you like and your friends and family, you know, it's all in good fun and it goes back and forth. And I think at the end of the day, Jake just doesn't really care about that. It's not a, a battle he wants to fight anyway. And he's so used mm. to it because uh, both Pancake and Nicole and, of course, Ray pick on him all the time. Mm. But he just kind of lets it ride, slide off his shoulders like he does life. He doesn't take much seriously. Maybe he's, he's kind of better a doofus, off. You know? <laughs> Maybe he doesn't get, you know, heartburn or it was. Uh, oh, what no. call ulcers or something? Yeah, I know, no, like the rest no. of us do. No, so there is a double murder. Tell us about Sean. And well, so Sean is the yeah. Uh, you know, of course, uh, Sean is the is the uh, soon to be ex husband. Uh, yeah. But and but he has a he has an alibi, of course. I mean, he he has two jobs. Yeah. He works mm-hmm. out on an oil rig for two weeks, and then he has two weeks off, and they kind of do that. These oil platform workers in the Gulf, you can't stay out there all the time. So you go out there for a period of time, and then you're off for a period of time. And most, they, I mean, out there on the oil rigs, boy, what what tough. I knew a guy that did that. And, and when he would get off the rig after two or three weeks, and he would come back, just when I was in Houston, he would come back to the apartment there. You didn't see him for two days because he basically crashed and burned for a couple of days. Uh, and then he was up and ready to roll. But it is a tough, tough, tough life. So Sean does that, but when he comes back, he also has another job. And so uh, he works that job, and then every two weeks there, out on the rigs, and every two weeks back. Well, he was out on the rigs when this murder happened. And again, the divorce wasn't contested. 
it wasn't a contested mm-hmm. divorce. So there wasn't any bad blood brewing there. So uh, uh, even though Sean's in the suspect pool, he may not be at the top of the suspect pool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, that's what mysteries are made of. Yeah, well, there are other suspects. We won't say who they are right now. So yeah, there are. How did they begin to investigate, and who are the law enforcement people in Fairhope? I'm actually doing, um, I got into this, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it anyway. On February 10th, I've got five law enforcement officers. We're going to talk about, as soon as I come up with the talking points, how each type of law enforcement officer handles different cases in their state and in their different positions. Yeah, uh, and there's many reasons for that. I mean, obviously, uh, there's the rules yeah. of engagement, if you will, because each jurisdiction yeah. has its rules. But there's mm-hmm. also different personality types. You know, uh, yeah. some some cops are more like Jake and some cops are more like Ray. You know, some of them uh-huh. are kind of laid back and kind of ease into the investigation and let things unfold. But there's a method mm-hmm. to that madness. And then others are hyper-focused, hyper-intense, rock and roll, in your face. And so, you know, uh, cops are people, and people are people. And so they have different methods of doing their job. Uh, in this case, mm-hmm. the cop is, uh, is, a, is a, the, chief, the chief of police there is Billy Warren, and she's a tough character. You know, she's yeah. muscular. She works out in the gym. She's no, no nonsense. Uh, she's straightforward. When they start sticking their nose into her case, her double murder case, she's not happy about it. But mm. Emily's brother, <laughs> yeah, Emily's brother is a local uh, war hero, and and when he comes to town, Daniel, when he comes to town, and of course they knew Daniel as a snot-nosed little kid because he he was several years younger growing up when they were kids and uh, up through the sixth grade. But now Daniel is is a Marine and he's uh, stationed overseas, and he gets brought in. Well, he as growing up as a kid there worked at the police station and worked with Billy with Billy Warren, and she likes him and all that. And like I said, he's like a hometown hero because he's a Marine and all that stuff. And Daniel says, I want these people to find out what happened to my sister. And so Billy kind of opens the door then and says, okay, we're going to work together, but the rules are my rules. And so that's kind of the rules of engagement there. And then, you know, they do work together, and they do try to help solve this crime. Well, she didn't have the manpower, so she sort of oh, doesn't no. mind. She doesn't have the manpower there, and she but she's got a lot of experience with murders, yet she steps up to it. So how does somebody like that that has really, you know, limited amount of, of you know, experience and she doesn't she doesn't, you know, shy away from Ray and them to help her, does she? No, no, not at all. Yeah, uh, Billy Warren had been uh, a homicide detective before she moved to Fairhope over in Mobile. Mobile has its crimes like any big city. Fairhope, not so much. So even though she she thinks this is going to be a more idyllic life over here and not the stress of the big city, Mm -hmm. chasing murderers and gangbangers and all that and drug dealers and all that stuff all over the place, over in Fairhope, that stuff doesn't happen so much. So, uh, So when this happens, it kind of harkens back to her days over in Mobile, which is not that far away, but worlds away in in lifestyle. And uh, she does not have a big staff there. She doesn't need one. You know, the city mm-hmm. budget won't allow it, and they don't have the crime rate to, to, to warrant it. So she she does welcome the help, but mainly because Daniel asked her to, because this mm-hmm. was a personal favor. You know, let these people do their job. 
And, you know, Ray, and, and of course, Daniel remembered Ray from growing up. And he mm-hmm. has one point in there where he says, I always admired you because you fixed things. You made things right. You all, Even when we were kids, you settled disputes. You did this. You handled that. And so he knew that Ray was no nonsense. And if Ray was involved, they would get to the bottom of it. So all that's the dynamic that went on there that brought the 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 officials, the police officials, Chief Warren and her group, and Pancake and and Nicole and Jake and ultimately Ray together to solve this crime. Well, what I really like is that even though she's a, a lady, you know, chief of police, that she got the respect that she deserved because so many don't. And they figure, you yeah, know, well, she's you, a lady without. Yeah. That's what I like about mess, that. You wouldn't mess with Billy Warren. You wouldn't mess with her. She's no nonsense. She's one of those no nonsense cops. You know, she's nice. She's friendly. She'll smile at you, but yeah, don't mess she'll with also her. take your head off. I mean, she is tough, smart, runs the show, and there's no question about it that she's the boss. There's no question about that. So, that's why I like her. Yeah, yeah she's, she's a like good me. character. I like her. Yes, yeah, she is like me. But she is very great because my students will tell you. As a matter of fact, one told me that this morning. You didn't take any guff from us, but we love you forever. <laughs> <laughs> the best well, teacher did. One girl wrote me a note this morning. Yeah, she said, you saved my life, and without you, I probably wouldn't be an, an ER nurse today. So I yeah. said, well, at least you did something good, right? Yeah, so, exactly. The tough teachers were the ones you remember. You know, they, know. they were the ones that they were the ones that that made things right. They were the ones That's that right. taught you. They were the ones that made you focus. Uh, those are the ones you remember, and those are the ones that help the most. You know, I think parents are the same way. You know, yeah. you need parents that are a yeah. little bit tough. <laughs> Tell me about it. So, <laughs> what do they think was the motive for these murders? Who would want to kill poor Emily? I mean, really? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, there were there were many that came that came in, and 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 uh, one obviously there's a divorce going on. Anytime that's going on, you got to look at that. Yeah. Number two, Emily was actually still married, of course, but they had moved on. But she had two guys that she was seeing. Sean was yeah. one of them, you know, and 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 then there was this other guy, you know. Yeah, Charlie. I know. And so she was dating both of them, uh, one more seriously, Sean, than Charlie, who she considered more of a friend, but Charlie really was into her. Okay. Yeah. Was this a love triangle? And then Sean kind of dabbled in drugs a little bit, and so did her new boyfriend and all that stuff, and so did her ex. And so there's drug dealing around there. Was this a motive for it? Did somebody owe somebody money? Did somebody talk out yeah. of school? Did some so? All of these possibilities have to be investigated to find out who on earth would want to kill Emily. And maybe it wasn't Emily they were after. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe, maybe it, it wasn't Emily they were after. Um, you know, maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was, you know, Charlie. Maybe it was Jason who got killed along with her. Who knows? Who knows? Jason is the guy she was dating and is the other person that got killed. So maybe he's the guy they're after, and she's collateral damage. So all of these things have to yeah. be taken into consideration and tracked down. So what happens the when the, the when somebody dies and the hus- they're, they're, they're getting a divorce and the husband gets the money, not the brother, if she left it in her will, that that's another thing. Who gets it? Well, if it's, uh, you know, obviously it depends on prenups and all that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. the legal system is, is difficult. 
Uh, it's interesting, and an old fraternity brother of mine who is a lawyer in Alabama talked to me about mm-hmm. uh, about inherited properties and stuff like that, which yeah. is going to play in the book. But uh, the ex-husband did not really stand to gain a lot, though the properties would have gone to him if they weren't divorced yet. Uh, but in a will, uh, a spouse can obviously do what they want to do, but then there's marriage laws come in and community property and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think Alabama's not really a community property state, so uh, there's a lot of nuances there. But there didn't seem to be a huge financial motive. That's uh, weird. Maybe some, but but not. But that's always what you look at in investigation. Yeah. You know, people kill are killed by people that they know, and they're killed mm-hmm. by people they have some conflict with. If a divorce is going on, and one of the partners gets killed, boy, you always look at the other partner first. Always, you have to. Because common yeah, things occur commonly, and that's a common scenario. It may not be the case, so you got to keep your eyes open. Any cop will tell you that. you got to look at all the other possibilities. And that's kind of what they do when they come in there. They look at all the possibilities. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, I've read how many books I've read? Too many? Yeah. Um, some, yeah, too, too many, seriously. And I've got too many inside, too. Um, sometimes they say that they find the suspect and they just don't look further. Does that ever happen? I mean, it oh, does sure. happen. Sure, tunnel, that bothers tunnel vision. Me too because you, you don't know something. In it. I mean, I've read a whole bunch of things, of books on innocent people that went to jail for no reason, of the Innocent Project, and I said, my God, these people were in jail for so long and they didn't do anything. So they look for the first person. How does that work when you realize maybe you're wrong? Do they ever admit that they're wrong and look for somebody else? Well, I mean, there's, there's, boy, that's a huge question, and there's a lot of, of stuff to unpack in that. But, you yeah. know, one of them is Occam's razor. You know, this, uh, it, when you're not sure what's yeah. going on, the simplest answer is usually the right one. And the fact that 90% of murders are, are, are between people who have a relationship with one another of yeah. some type, maybe business, maybe lovers, maybe spouse, whatever, that there's uh, an adage in medicine that said common things occur commonly. You know, so don't forget that. But... You know, when you hear hoofbeats, think of horses, not zebras, because zebras are rare. Horses are not. So those are adages Mm -hmm. in medicine. But at the same time, and this happens in medicine too, if you focus on what you think is going on and you don't have peripheral vision, you don't say, well, yeah, but maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that, then you're going to miss the boat. And every physician's trained to think more broadly than that focus. Cops the same way, but human nature is to take the path of least resistance, that common things occur commonly, that if this looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It might not be. It might be a crow faking to be a duck, you know, and you always mm-hmm. got to look at those things. So, sure, uh, investigators, police and otherwise, are always subject to tunnel vision, and you have to every now and then step back and say, no, wait a minute, what if this is not true? What if this is not the relationship? What if this is not the pathway? What else can everything I've learned and all the evidence that I have and all mm-hmm. the people I've talked what else could this be telling me? Am I too focused on the solution to the problem rather than the steps in solving the problem and step back? So you got to do that. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. 
Tunnel vision is dangerous, but it's, I know. it's not that uncommon. I know. I see it every single day. Sometimes you just want to believe what you want to believe, but it's not the truth. Sure. And sure. sometimes, like, innocent people go to jail for no reason. And sometimes something happens right in front and people just ignore it, which is yeah. not even good either. And and guilty people get off for the same reason, because they look at the wrong... Because if you got the wrong person in your yeah. side, yeah. the guy who really did it's over here on the sideline saying, hey, I got away with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, not in front I know. So tell us about Charlie and why you might call him a little naive about Emily. The poor guy, I really liked him. Yeah, Charlie. No, not, Charlie's not, not too these, bright, but what can you tell you? <laughs> no, and Charlie's one of these decent souls, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, he works at the, he has a job and and he does his job diligently, but he's kind of quiet and, you know, he's he's one of these guys that you know you went to school with that you kind of remember, but you don't really remember that kind of thing. And and he's just a nice guy. Everybody likes him and everybody speaks highly of him, but he did have an infatuation with Emily and Emily did yeah. go out with him. Uh and they did have a relationship even though for, from her point of view it was more brother and sister or friendly or casual than mm. Charlie wanted it to be. Well, you know, even the calmest, quietest, most soft-spoken, most nicest people in the world when their buttons get pushed can do crazy things. And so Charlie mm. is obviously way up the suspect list. You know, uh, because of the relationship, once again, she, he was infatuated with Emily and didn't like the fact that she was more serious about Jason. So uh, that dynamic is going on, and that's really a big part of the investigation. It's so sad. Yeah, I'm not going to say who up. else is involved because I have those questions that cross them out. I'm doing good yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> What made Emily so special that all these guys were after her? I mean, we didn't get to really meet her and get to know her as to why she was so special, because she had the nerve to be killed first. That's not good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the way everybody talked about her and the way everybody related to her Mm -hmm. and the way her friends felt about her and all that, I think you get a good feeling for, um, for who she is. But she was just a very bright, a very nice, very personable, very socially engaging, uh, a very nice person, and and so everybody, nobody had anything bad to say about Emily, and so when bad things happen to good people, it's a whole lot worse crime than when bad things happen to bad people, and so she was a good people, and mm. bad things happened to her, and so that only makes the crime that much more heinous, uh, and 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 it makes the reader, I hope, want to get to the bottom of it along with the characters and get to the truth, find out who did this and why. I did want to find out who did it and why. Good. I wanted to make a very – yeah, well, you know me. If I, I I sat down and I read the book, and I'm saying, okay, I'm just going to sit and read it. I'm going to read a paragraph, and I read a whole, the whole book in an hour well, and a half. Well, good. <laughs> good. I, I, read the, I read the second one, too, like in no oh, time. Oh, good. <laughs> and there's there's 700 pages of the new book by Mark Cameron, The Shadow of a Dragon. They just sent it to me yesterday, and they said, "When are you going to get to that?" I said, "As soon as I get to the other six before." And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh my God!" So I'll, I'll definitely read it because he, he does he does Clancy really well. 
So why does Special Agent Bruce Markman get involved? How come they, she allows him to get involved? Because I didn't think Billy Warren would want anybody else to get involved. Uh, yeah, well, that's mainly Ray. Ray brought him in. Ray has. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's Ray doing that. Uh, Ray yeah. is uh, ex-military and you know special ops and all that stuff. And so he has connections throughout the world. And Special Agent Marklin is with the DEA. So he, when when the drug possibility crops mm-hmm. up, uh, he Ray goes to him and says, "Tell me the lay of the land. Tell me what we need to know about here. What's who are the dealers? Who are the players? Who are this? Who is that?" And there's all the DEA knows this stuff. You know, they know these characters. They stay on top of them. They watch them. Uh, and so they have a whole catalog of they know who the big drug dealers are in every state in every state in the union. Uh, now, whether they do something about it depends upon a lot of moving parts. But uh, so they he helps Ray and crew focus on a couple of guys from Mobile that are kind of doing business and some dealers there locally that kind of control the business because every place has drug dealers. You know, yeah. even the most idyllic community on earth has drug dealers. It's just life. And so the, all these characters start coming into the picture. Um, and, uh, you know, that only muddies the water and makes things more difficult. Why can't they stop them, though? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's like whack-a-mole, you know. <laughs> you... uh you, you get rid of one and another one pops up. I mean, it's just, it's just tough. It, it's, it's really tough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I taught for a very long time. In the very first year, I got an education, um, and I, I didn't realize that there was a drug dealing outside the school. <laughs> we found them, yeah. we got them. Oh, yeah. Actually, because Miss Miss Eagle Eye over here said, this something doesn't sound right. Why are they there? What are they doing? And yeah. actually, unfortunately, it was a student in somebody's class yeah. in the sixth grade that was that was doing this. And you know, you don't you don't suspect little sixth graders, but these kids were older and unique. What can I say? And, oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the age groups that are involved in this are dropping lower and lower and lower. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, it's permeated grammar schools for Christ's sakes. I mean. You know, remember back to grammar school, you know, I was just solving math problems and, you know. Tell me about <laughs> playing it. Playing football, and I, I, you know, and these, these kids are way beyond that now. Tell me about it. Not not only that, but there was a prostitution ring across the street from the school, too. Oh, sure. That was even, that was, that was held by, led by one of the fathers in one of my classes. Like, oh, I didn't wow. want to say a word. I said nothing. I was like, okay. <laughs> he came, and he came into my room to talk to me about his son. And he said, I thought the girl was, you know, just his girlfriend. She was she was about 40. She was about 16. was his wife. Oh. I said, good for you. So in the middle of the chase to get the bad guys, this was hilarious. Tammy calls. Yeah. So how does he handle something? He's in danger. Somebody's going to get killed. Blah blah blah. How do you handle Tammy in the middle of an investigation? <laughs> I mean, why did he? And why did he take the call? I mean, go well, here, break here. As I said, Tammy is relentless, 
And if she calls, <laughs> it's better just to deal with it. You know, and and of course Jake's way is to deal with it is always be sarcastic, always make her angry, uh, oh, because yeah, because she will eventually call him some expletive and hang up, and she's gotten this out of her system now. She's talked to Jake, she's laid out her problem, he's not going to help her, and so now she's she's mad at him. That's kind of the dynamic, and it always ends that way. And um, but the di- that the way they go backwards and forth with her getting her pressure rising higher and higher and higher and her getting anger and anger and Jake not engaging just yeah whatever that's his attitude and that only makes her matter you know this is not my problem you know don't you think like one she called him and one thing is about Walters having prostate problems and, I know <laughs> and she and Jake says uh, well. Tell Walter to see a urologist. I'm not a urologist, and and she says you just don't care. She said he's not about Walter's prostate. I don't. And she said, well, what about me? And you know, it's not your prostate. What difference does it make? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of thing. And that's the dynamic that they have. And of course, Tammy gets angrier and angrier and angrier. But it's better to answer the original question, to deal with Tammy, take that five to ten minutes out of your life, deal with it, get it over with, and then you don't have to deal with her for a while. You know, at least a few hours, maybe a few days, maybe even a few weeks, until the next crisis, manufactured crisis, appears. It's almost like she's psychic and tests and, and can feel the next crisis. She just yeah. even knows when to call. But what about Walter? Doesn't he get annoyed with her that he call that she calls Jake to tell him about his prostate or something? Wouldn't I mean that's not good. I wouldn't want but somebody to tell anybody about anybody here. Walter may not even know. You know? Probably. <laughs> I mean, Jake I mean, doesn't yeah, have a relationship. Seriously? He's not going to talk to him, and, and Tammy probably doesn't tell him. And and Walter's busy. He works all the time, which gives Tammy a lot yeah. of time sitting in her big mansion overlooking the Gulf. Gives her lots of time to get into trouble and to worry about stuff. <laughs> I like her attitude, though. I like getting into trouble and stuff once in a while. What the heck? Now, yeah, exactly. before I forget, Monday. Me, Matthew Goldberg, will be here with the ancestor. What happens when a body is frozen for 200 years and it decides to thaw out? That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) On the 12th, we have a panel show. We have uh, four authors, and we're going to talk about writing in two different timelines and flashbacks. I thought that would be cool. And on the 16th, you're coming back with Prior Bed Axe. On the 18th, the Christmas Tree Murders. And on the 23rd, someone we all know and love, my, one of my favorite people, John Land, murder in season. And unfortunately, it's his last Jessica Fletcher murder. And I'm disappointed because this one was better than the rest. It was fantastic. But he is coming on February 16th to talk about the Margaret Truman Capital murders, the very first one, um, murder on the Metro. And on the 30th, because of this pandemic, I have asked psychotherapist um, Daniel Palumbo and I, you know Daniel from the uh, oh, best. Yeah. Daniel and I are going to talk about fear and isolation. We've done stress and anxiety. We're going to do fear and isolation. I asked him to do that, and that should be interesting. And I am totally honored. I wasn't going to announce it, but I am. On the 21st of uh, December, uh, there's an anthology that was sent to me. I don't know how I got it. I got lucky. Alan Jacobson, Heather Graham, John Lesqua, and Jeffrey Diva. 
will come on my show to talk about their um, anthology. I'm, I'm totally honored. I can't believe it. <laughs> Between you and them, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 that's I was nothing like, good happens yeah, after whoa. midnight. That's like, yeah, I was excited. Yeah, so, I have a short what? story on that one. Yeah. I know. I read it. Tonic. Yeah, it's good. I had fun with and it. I'm, and I'm thinking about doing another one maybe uh, after the holiday because I wanted you know to do your story and John Land's story then about the um, the right. um, ATM machine scared the daylights out of me. Oh, that's like funny. It's like great. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but you know what my one of my my favorite story was uh, the cell phone uh, intolerant. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I want a I want an intruder. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh God, did I love that? I mean, that those stories kept me like, oh my God, they're so scary, but they were really good. So if you want to read something good, people, nothing hap- nothing good happens after midnight. So, why does she blame everything on Jake? And how does Nicole? She loves these phone calls. She thinks it's great. How she doesn't defend Jake? She sort of goes along with Tammy. I mean, really. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, one of Nicole's joys in life is giving Jake grief and uh, watching him squirm. But uh, Jake, for his part, will squirm and then let it roll off his back and go on with life. So when Tammy calls, you know, she's it's voyeuristic. She doesn't have to, Nicole doesn't have to do anything except just sit back and watch and listen. And she finds it hysterical that Tammy thinks Jake can solve any of her problems or will even try to, and will even communicate with him, because <laughs> there's no relationship there. You know, Jake is so over Tammy, it's not even, it's not even close. There's, there's nothing there. Uh, and, and Tammy, I think, feels the same way, but yet she somehow thinks Jake can offer her some insight. But uh, obviously he never does, because Jake's not a very insightful guy. <laughs> Well, if you look at page 280, which is in front of me, this is hysterical. Um, it says, don't you hang up, why not? What about me? Wash your hair, do your nails, wait, I got it. Go buy one of those puzzles, one of the flowers or beach scenes, maybe a cat. Try to get all the pieces to fit together, and that should occupy you until Walter gets back. I won't say what she said, but Nicole said I love her calls, and he said I know you do. This this is hilarious. Yes, yes, that's so this is total, Jake total, and totally Tammy. hilarious. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, how did you create the final takedown without telling anybody how you took it down? Well, um, you know, there there has to be bad guys, and there has to be good guys. And in a yeah. thriller, or they have to go mano a mano. They have to go head to head. You've created this whole story, and the whole mm-hmm. story is hopefully bundling what, what I call uh, – a, a, a diminution of time and space. They're running out of time and they're running out of space. And yeah. so basically it's like a funnel that the good guys and the bad guys are being funneled to one place, one point in time, one situation, and at that time it's got to be solved. And and at the end of the day, you have to have that struggle. It has to be mano a mano, face to face. And so, you know, I won't tell what the ending here is because it would give too much away. But at the end of the day, you've got to have that. You have to have that in 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 a thriller. That the antagonist and the protagonist have to meet each other on on you know on, on common turf, on the battlefield, a marathon between you know like the Greeks fought each other there. <laughs> 
Okay, I have to ask this question because I asked it of uh, several other authors, which is really a good question. Um, number one, you can't kill off Jake and, and Nicole ever. You can't kill the no. main characters. No, no, you're no. not allowed to. No. So, but in the character, when before I finish and ask what else is next for Long Longley, whatever, and Prior Bad Acts, which I really love, uh, two new characters that got me started. What happens when you write a series? How do you keep it so that no one says, "Oh, it's the same." with the same story, just, you know, same characters, just a different story. Because it's not. It's different. How do you do that when you're well, writing? Well, it, it is Jake the same Nicole. characters. It is the same characters, yeah. obviously, and, and you don't want them to change too much yeah. uh, because people won't like that and they won't recognize them. You can't have too much of a character arc and a series character with each each episode. But hopefully they're involved in um, a different a different problem that requires different skills that puts different pressure on them, that makes them yeah. respond differently. And that's really all you can do in that circumstance. And so, uh, you know, that's storytelling. You know, you got to have a lot of stories in your head. And uh, if you don't, you're probably not going to write that many books, you know. And I've got 21 done now, 20 out, and wow. more coming, you know. And I'm working on the next one, so. Um, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> That 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 is good because it keeps me nice and busy. Yeah, I in mean, fact, the, this... the next Jake book is done, edited, good to go, and it'll come out next fall. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my birthday present in September. That's all. <laughs> good, good. Which I don't talk about. We don't talk about that. When's so, your birthday? What date? September ninth. I'm a Virgo oh. and I'm a perfectionist. To Mine's be the twenty ninth. the twenty ninth. I'm a Libra. You know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm a perfectionist, and I'm terrible, and and I expect yeah. everybody else to to do things the right way. My mom was like that. My yeah. mom was is November, and um, she's a Sagittarius. She was impossible, and she would tell me if I didn't get a hundred on a test, I had to write it over. There was there was no there's no ninety nines. A hundred was the only grade. So you can imagine what I went through. Because exactly. I thank God I had my father. But where, where do you see Jake Longley investigations next? What kind of case? How do you decide the case for them? How do you decide what they're going to do next? And poor Jake, I feel so sorry for him. He needs he well, needs something from Allison's Bakery. Yeah, yeah. The next story uh, is called the OC, uh, which we here in Orange County, California, call this the OC. And so Nicole has a condo out here in Newport Beach. She always has. That's kind of where she lives, but she's ended up in the Gulf Coast hanging out with Jake the whole time. So Nicole has now written a screenplay, and her uncle, oh, Charles nice. Balfour, who is a multi-award-winning producer, director, all that stuff, uh, that's her uncle who, who 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 is very, very close to Nicole. In fact, she lives in his Gulf Shores mansion. That's where she hangs out in Gulf Shores. Um Nicole has written a screenplay, and, and Uncle Charles is going to produce it. So they come to Orange County in L.A. to start the shooting of Nicole's movie. Well, they end up staying at Nicole's place in, in Newport, and there's a friend of hers there who is a local TV reporter type and a local TV network thing on PBS, and she's picked up a stalker. Mm. And so now... Jake and mm. Nicole and Pancake and Ray have to track down this. It's it's none of it's face to face. It's all electronic stalking, mm. which is very very hard to track down sometimes. And that proves to be the case here. So the crew ends up in Orange County, out here in California, mm. trying to solve 
the stalking problem and and, mm. and which is escalating in its in its threat, danger, anger, all that stuff, and they have to solve this thing before something bad happens to uh, Nicole's friend. So that's the next story. <laughs> Okay, well, on November 16th, you're coming back. We have a few more minutes for prior bad acts. Tell us about that and those two characters who are similar but yet different. Oh, yeah, this is the the second Kane Harper series, and Bobby Kane and Harper McCoy are basically uh, non-biological brothers and sisters raised by a gypsy family, if you will, that traveled around the South. They ended up in the military, both in special ops, uh, uh, and then now that they have left the military – they have a company out of Nashville where they fix problems. And in prior bad acts, there's a murder, there's a kidnapping, there's a, somebody missing. They're hired to find this person and save the day. And uh, this is a true, uh, this is a more of a true thriller. This is not comedic. This is in your face, down and dirty, just like the first one, which was called Skin in the Game. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's for people who like more pure thrillers. That is really good. I know. I read that too in, in Zap Time, like everything else that I read in Zap Time. So before we end, uh, let me tell everybody I'm very proud of myself. I'm definitely not writing like you guys do, but my new book, uh, What If, it talks about. It's scary. It's a sci-fi book. It's like a Twilight Zone book, and it's what if you lived in my world, my eight worlds? Would you realize that we have to start coming together in this one? And there are eight worlds of people that live in different kinds of lives that nobody wants to live in after they've read it. And, um, you know, it's based on the pandemic. Confinement is one. Um, you know, you stay home a lot, and then you begin to feel like you're cramped. So I wrote that. Uh, there's a whole bunch. And I got I'm, – I'm not happy, but I'm not unhappy. I got um, ten reviews. I got six five-stars and four four-star reviews. That's pretty good. Oh, cool. Yeah. I and like I got it. a few – I got a few strange reviews, and hopefully, if I ever get a chance, because I got thirty books on my chair to review, um, I'm going to write the next one. It's going to be called "What's Next." That's all I'm going to say about that. How would you like to live in a world that's enclosed in something and you can't get out once you once you're there? Yeah, I, I just decide. I don't even know. It's just strange. But anyway, where can we find out more about you and your work? And um, this is great. This is fun. Yeah, if you go to my website, dplylmd.com, dplylmd.com, you can connect to my blog and my podcast and my radio show that I used to do and mm. uh, and all my books and everything else you want to know. And so everything funnels through there. So just go to the website, and uh, you can connect to everything, including buying books if you still feel so moved. That that is great because I didn't know that you had a radio show. That's right, YouTube. A uh, lot of a lot of people. We, we Jan Burke and I did a thing called uh, Crime and Science Radio for three and a half years. We did seventy shows. Oh, nice. It's been it's been shut down for several years because we ran out of people uh-huh. to talk to. We talked to experts in the field, and now I have a a podcast called Criminal Mischief: The Art and Science of Crime Fiction, where yeah, I, I talk about talk about crime writing and. Uh, forensic science so um, go there and have fun but you use your cardiologist aren't you yes also yes. yeah see that I had a question the other day I was going to email you actually <laughs> <laughs> that's fine in fact I'll be yeah, heading to the office in a couple of hours to see folks so uh, you know 
I know. This it's 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 strange. I can tell you. But I want to thank you so much. This has been fun. It brightened my whole day. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. And in two weeks, we'll do it all again. Yes, we are. Definitely. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely. But I'm going to see, um, I'm going to talk to John Land on the 23rd and you. I'm I'm only doing four of the stories. I'd like to talk about more of them, maybe after the holiday. Maybe you and John. And I don't know Kevin O'Brien's email, but I'm going to find out because that story, oh, my God, was that good. That and Linwood Barkley's story was fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah. The whole book, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. And I'm going to say what I saw on the highway the other day. I've been telling it to everybody. Just one ask, please wear a mask to save your life and mine. And I saw saw that on the highway the other day. The governor, Governor Cuomo put it down. Just one ask, please wear a mask. And I do, (laughs) wherever I go. Even in the hall to throw out the garbage, I do. (laughs) But everybody, stay safe and team me. Thank you, everybody, and bye.